for us. I had never seen that before. And it was a beautiful thing. And you guys have done an amazing job. Truly an amazing job. Thank Absolutely. You. Um, so John, how does the Celebration Bowl continue to stay nimble in the era of television market share and ever-changing la landscape? Sim simply put, how do fans define what is the growth of the Celebration Bowl? That's a very good question. Um, I, I like to, you know, I always begin with the end in mind mm -hmm. when I'm looking at anything. And the ultimate goal for us to, was to build a Super Bowl, to build our Super Bowl. Uh, Doc, you mentioned uh, Lincoln uh, and the streak they've been on. They, they're the winners of eight consecutive games. So they have not lost in this calendar year. There's only one team that has oh. a... I knew they had one, one that was a streak and it was eight, but I didn't realize it was they hadn't lost this calendar year. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, but there's one team out there who has a, a streak I, slightly longer than there. I know. Oh, longer? Yes, right now longer. on the, on the it, D two level, on the D two level. Uh, well, HBCU D well, two. Let me let me specify HBCU D two women. There's one team that has a longer streak. Oh, Tuskegee? well, that's easy to, yeah. No, nope, Tuskegee's only at six in a row. Tuskegee's only at six okay. in a row. It's our, it's our, it's our forgotten HBCU on the, on the D2 level. West Virginia State. They, they're the winners oh, yeah. of nine consecutive women. Nice. Good All right, okay. Yeah, I see you. I see you, Drew. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, keep that computer right. turning. I like, I like what you're spitting <laughs> Uh Great, great, uh, great observation there, Drew, about the records in division two um that's uh i i'm i want to do so i want to do a breakdown of looking at people's non-conference uh later because that's fascinating when you when you juxtapose it against division one um which you know we know that's a different story but still i think it is it is uh interesting to look at brian 11 of our 11 of the of the 29 women HBCU programs on January 22nd have double digit wins. Nice. It's over Good. one third Good. have double digit wins. No one is winless. Nice. And, and we, I still say 20 you add wins nine is, win a, is a mark. I think 20 wins is still a a a, an actionable mark yeah. that you look at and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's I love that twenty. I love that twenty win yeah. mark. Um, it's still significant, particularly at the Division Two level, NIA level. You get to twenty. Sometimes at them, they get a chance to get to twenty five. Uh, really looking good. Right. Uh, but at the Division One level, if you can get to twenty wins, you're really doing something. Sometimes that demarcation may need to be closer to seventeen, eighteen. But it's something beautiful about that round number when you can put that 20 win mark on. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. And take it one step further, uh, everybody. 15 of the 29 are at nine wins or better. So over half of our women's programs are at nine wins or better with five weeks with five weeks remaining in the uh, basketball season. They're being paid <laughs> for the Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I guarantee you, if if you went if you went to those players and say, "Hey, fellas, if we play these two games, you will get cost of attendance." 
I guarantee you the decision will be unanimous. Coach, let's play them. Let's play them. Right. Because the, the athletes are actually benefiting from it. But but it, it's a double-edged, it's a two-edged sword. Uh, even though you, you're playing yeah. those games to, to help those kids uh, with the cost of attendance, you still put them out there. And, and, and AD was right. You still doing, you still do, it's just doing it another way. You still doing the exact same thing. Well, I, I did answer yes to it when, when he posed that question. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I think I came with some out of the, uh, uh, out of the field uh, remark behind <laughs> it. Because basically I said, you know, hey, a thousand dollars versus a hundred, I'm going to take the thousand. But yes, I'm still. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. I love my HBCU. Yeah. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball? ball. This is Dr. Cavill inside the HBC. Dr. Cavill. The HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop is out on assignment, but we got Mike back in the house, and we have AD Drew. Welcome to episode three seventy four inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on HBC sports culture. HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KSOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, multi-Hall of Fame of Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. No, y'all know these scores, but I want to see what these gentlemen think about these matchups. I got a chance to get out with Charles and Mike yesterday. So we watched um, in the lab, or we were on the road in the lab, <laughs> or we just had a little fun, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Anyway, uh, Mike did his thing. I'll put it that way. But we watched the Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson game. Um, 84-61 to 61 was the final. Obviously, the thing that stood out to me was um, Texas Southern going over the three until the last shot <laughs> of the game, basically, to put a dent in that where they went one for 17. Tough night. Hard to beat a team if you're on one for 17, particularly if the other team shoots 11 or 27 uh, in terms of the three. So Texas Southern was one was 5.9% from the three. Just to give you some percentage of how bad they were. And Wally Dixon was over 41%. We'll come back to that, but let me give you some other updates. Alcorn State played North Texas 
uh, challenging for the least for the first half, and they kind of got away from it as they lost 69 to 53 in terms of that matchup. Um, you had the matchup today in regards to the 16 versus one uh, with Howard University taking on Kansas. Um, they were in a good fight most of the half. Second half, it gets away from them as they fall 96 to 68 in terms of those matchups. We have some WNIT games that are going on now, uh, particularly into the night where you have Morgan State holding their own right now against um, Wake Forest, uh, 37 to 33 as they are into the third quarter. So a four-point game there is something we'll kind of keep our eyes on throughout the game to give you some updates of what that looks like. And then you have Jackson State uh, in their matchup coming up later as well. But those are some of the outcomes we saw you. Yesterday, I'm going to start with you, Mike. Get your thoughts, particularly on the Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson game, because I know you saw that. Uh, what stood out to you in that matchup? And then we'll follow up and see what A.D. Drew's thoughts on that one or any other matchup that he wants to talk about. Well, it, it was it was kind of tough. It got to a point to where it was tough to watch um, because you saw TSU fight to within 10. And just too many mistakes, you know, one for 13 from from the free throw. I mean, from the three-point land, yeah, you can't beat any team doing that. Uh, rebounds, I think uh, that rebounding game didn't did not help TSU as well. But they, at the end of the day, the shots were just plain icicle cold. Um, and the uh, Tigers just could not get it going. So uh, they had a, a healthy effort. They – I think they even got it to within 11, uh, 10 and 11, or 11 on two different occasions of memory serves me. But again, you know, Fairley just pulled off on them and uh, it was, it was, it was difficult to watch at times because you know, TSU is a better shooting team, at least from three point land than, uh, than they uh, demonstrated last night. Yeah. When you talk about that at the 10 uh, 04 mark in the second, Half it was 54 to 44. And I said, All right, we got a matchup, we can get it done. And it went the opposite way in regards to that. Now, I thought maybe they could claw their way in there. Had a couple of empty possessions that really uh, allowed Fairly Dickinson to take over the game late and just pull it away. Um, so, great point when you talk about it getting down to 10 and you're like, Hey, here we got something. No, not so fast. Andy Drew, what did you think about this matchup in terms of uh, just? The scoring, uh, in addition, a little bit of an all-core North, North, North Texas game, I should say. Yeah, I've spent more time watching the all-core North Texas game. I was kind of uh, doing a triple role last night of co-hosting the uh, ONG Strike Zone with uh, Brian nice. and Kelvin, was also producing and still had the all-core uh, North Texas game on the iPad, uh, and ironically, I had the uh, score you failed to mention, uh, and I'm pretty sure you're going to get to it, uh, Southern Women lo also lost their first four matchup yesterday, 57-47 yep. to uh, to Sacred Heart, so Chivalry's not dig. I definitely mentioned the uh, ladies out there, so uh, Dr. Cavill, I'm going to be honest with you. When you get to this time of the season, in Division One basketball, be it men or be it women, my goal as a fan is to see one of one of our team make it to the weekend. Thus far, mm. we owe for the week. 
for yep. the ball. Right now, Morgan State is being competitive in their game. Uh, you know, we, we've got Jackson State in WNIT tonight. And I believe that's it. I believe we 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 banking on the, the shoulders of the ladies, because I if I my service correct, all the men's teams that were in a postseason tournament have lost. That's division one, division two, yep. and in AIA. And or now gone with uh Tugalu losing on was it Wednesday night? Wednesday Wednesday afternoon, I believe uh, uh that was. So it's up to the lady. Why not, Doc? The ladies, the ladies have carried us our whole lives. So it's up to the ladies to carry our basketball fandom for the remainder of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> often, oftentimes that is appropriate. So, uh, <laughs> ladies, uh, for pushing us forward and seeing if they can get us into the proverbial weekend part of AD's request. Uh, on Tuesday, we got a chance to talk about. Um, as you said, the fact that there were some teams out there in the HBCU landscape that had great seasons, winning seasons, uh, particularly on the men's and women's side, uh, that did not get postseason invite. Uh, we talked about the fact that obviously we understand that the NCA is pretty much the automatic bid uh, for most programs. Uh, even, what is it, I had a stat on there that I put out for some folks in regards to what it looks like. Uh, with 23 of the 32 or 71.9% of the NCAA D1 men's basketball automatic bids in this scenario go to uh, those programs. So six leagues received a combined 41 bids because there were two other conferences that received two bids. So uh, the 27 uh, automatic uh, bids, uh, most of them went to the six other leagues. But with that being said, you have the NIT. On the women's side, on the WNIT, you get the first and second team uh, that get automatic bids. On the men's side, it's just the first. So yeah. with that being the case, on State Braves, as we know by now, did not win the tournament. Texas Southern uh, beat them and the number two seed co-champions, Grambling State, which is a program that went 24-9 and did not get a postseason invite. Bad enough, right, on the SWAC side. But on the MEAC side, you had similarly um, – Happened with Howard being able to do the double-double. We gave you an update of what happened to them today in terms of the tough loss they had to Kansas. Uh, but you had North Carolina Central that was in second place in the conference. They finished at 18-2, and two, went into the semifinals of the MEAC. You had Norfolk State Spartans that have won the last two years. Obviously, this year they finished third in the conference. They made it to the finals with a 22-11 and 11 record. And you had Maryland Eastern Shore, 18 and 13 in terms of what they did, finishing for tied for third in the conference. Um, and not to be outdone, you had Tennessee State uh, that finished 18 and 14, tied for second, uh, three way tie for third place, I should say, in the OVC. These programs did not get a postseason invite, not to the NIT. Uh, nor the CBI. Yep. And so one of the questions I had for Charles um, in that scenario, uh, is it time for HBCU postseason tournament? So I'm going to start with you, A.D. Drew. What are your thoughts on that? And as you said, uh, before you answer that, Siri's not dead. 
Uh, when we talk about on the women's side, we had some women teams that had great seasons that are not having postseason play as well. Obviously, on that side, you had an Alabama State program that finished 16 and 15, no postseason, uh, get it done, and even uh, at least a 15-15 in terms of Prairie View, at least without a losing season. But even more so on the MIAC side, you had teams that played really well that did not get postseason uh, bids with Howard Bison going 16 and 14 in terms of their record. And then uh, you had independent program, North Carolina A&T, uh, that finished at 12 and 6 in the conference rate, 18 and 12 overall. So even on that side, you have the ability with some teams that had winning records uh, that could extend their season, rewarding for such uh, great records. But a couple of programs, as we talked about on the men's side, with Grambling, Norfolk State, that had 20-plus win seasons and yep. at the home or sitting at home. Eddie Drew, what are your thoughts on this? Is the time now the right time? The, the, the time is – no, the time's not now, Dr. Kabil. The time was yesterday. Last week <laughs> and last year, <laughs> uh, and, and you're talking about on the division. You talk about on the division one level. Doc, can can I please take this one step further and break this down on the small school level, on the mid major level, as we like to call it around here? That let's would be go, great. Let's let's go to the uh, division two level. Let's start off with let's start off with the men. Let's start off with uh, Claflin. Claflin's, well, no, I've got the women's page pulled up. Let's start yeah. off with the women. Fayetteville State, 18 and 7. Lincoln, PA, 19 and 9. Lincoln, PA, and Fayetteville State won their respective divisions in the CIAA. We all know how ultra competitive the CIAA is. So, uh, you know, we, we definitely talk about that. Now, and when you go over to the men's side, you had a 19-win Claflin team sitting sitting at home. That's probably the uh, only other team in the CIAA, men or women, that should have that had a, a valid argument. But you know, you know my favorite conference uh when it comes to uh division two, Dr. Kabir. That that's the SIAC. The SIAC. The SIAC. <laughs> Uh, Were it not for the uh, eligibility question with Benedict, Benedict definitely deserved a, a look, eight, 18 and 9 on the season. Eastern Division champions of the, the SIAC. Morehouse, 17 and 9. But three of those nine came against Division One programs. Yep. So seven, so seventeen and six, Doctor Kavir. When it com when it comes to the division two, when it comes to the division two record, uh, nice. Sw switching over to the uh, to the women. My, I, I've been on it. They talk about me because I went to Tuskegee and I and I've been riding miles. But miles, women, were it not for Tuskegee, should would would have been the representative out of the SIAC. 18 and 7. Yes, they lost they got they lost uh, to Tuskegee. They got swept by Tuskegee, uh lost three to Tuskegee. Yep. So 18 and 7, Dr. Cavill. Three of those are to Tuskegee. With three of those losses yeah. to Tuskegee. Three of those losses to Tuskegee. So 18 and 4 against the rest of the competition. The rest 
uh, now, now going down to the NAIA, the NAIA, I think, got the right teams into the tournament, both men and women. Right. But they decided to screw us with our seeding. Oh, the memorial <laughs> goes through the, the conference, <laughs> the Sun Conference, with one loss. They lose their opening game. Win the next 18 in a row in that in the conference. And you reward them with a 14 seed? Are you serious? Wow. Ridiculous. Russ, Russ gets a nine. Tougaloo, who has not lost, who had not lost to a NAIA program, Dr. Cavill, is only good enough to get right. another 16. <laughs> they had one loss on the season. That was to a Division two. Yep. Langston was the only team that potentially did not get screwed with their seeding. And Langston has a very good argument on why they should have been on the number one line instead of the number one two line. line. Yep. Yeah, but but but, exactly. but you, may, you, you may be splitting hairs with that. Philander Smith, two of their three losses were to were to Rust. And they won 14 seed. And, and, and how do you reward Xavier from winning the Red River Conference Tournament? You make them get on the plane and go to freaking Idaho. How many black folk in Idaho, Dr. Kavir? Let me rephrase it. How many black folk who not in the military in Idaho? Because the only reason you're going to be in Idaho probably is if you're in the military, my brother. Or you playing football. Or you on scholarship. Playing football. So, yes, it's beyond time. I sent, you, I sent Dr. Kavir some information about something, or a committee that I am on that is trying to solve this problem. I wish I could say for Dr. DeVille on this platform, but to protect myself and the other committee members, I cannot say more except for this. It's coming. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. As early as 2024 in a destination sit during this time of the year, Dr. Kabil. Yep. Let, let, the, let those who go to the tournament who, 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 who deserve to go, let the rest of us play for pride, have, have some fun, create, create an atmosphere. I've been long-winded. I'm sorry, Dr. Kabil, but you, you touched the subject for me. Good stuff. So let me go to Mike before we go to in this break. What are your thoughts in terms of is it time for HBCU postseason event? I, major I, division I, or mid-major division, maybe I, both. I'm just pointing at this man right here, what he just said, what he said. <laughs> you know how you put the meme, what he said, what he said. Uh, I agree. I have, I have more of an issue. Yeah, I have more of an issue right now. Well, let me back up. It's been time. Uh, look at the seating. The, there is a, a virtual, obvious inequality in seating of HBCUs at all levels. Bias. I Seriously. It's not even unconscious. It's conscious as all consciality can allow. That it, it is just blatant bias. And I think it's time to let those schools – you mean to tell me a Grambling, uh, Tennessee State had a great, had a great season – you mean they can't get an invite? Um, all of the schools from the that that AD drew, 
I mean, let, let's create let's create a separate conference, and I, I don't know where we do it, how we do it, the who, what, when, why, nuts, nuts and bullets, whatever, uh, but let's create. I think the time has, has already arrived, and I think it's time to put some pen to paper and make it and bring it to fruition. Good stuff. Good stuff by both of you all. Uh, shout out to uh, some of the lab listeners. They can get in there and give me their thoughts again. And um, I wanted to get your thoughts because we discussed a little bit on Tuesday. Great dialogue going on. Marsh Madness is obviously in full effect. Great comments from Silas Edward McMorris, uh, G. Boom Holly, Ricky uh, Burton's in the building, Chuck Hunt, Jazzy Faye, Belinda Johnson doing the thing, Thomas Einstein Maddox, Stephen Gates is in the building. When some Salem State nearly took out number one team on its home court. I saw that, that last second shot. Um, that gave them the lead against the number one team there. Edwin D. Moore, Ron Waters, as I said, appreciate y'all jumping in here and joining us. With that being said, we'll take our first break. We'll come back on the other side and give you the mid-major division top five programs from women's basketball in week 10 as we're starting to close up, which means it's time to turn the chapter, the ping of the bat. We'll give you a little update on softball. Got some major conference games as we start things in the SWAC. With conference play, it should be interesting. Stick with us on the other side. We'll give you some of that to get into the baseball ping of the bats. As we close up on basketball, stick with us. We'll be right back after this first break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. <laughs> It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the time. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, 
and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yessa and pay attention because he gonna teach a lesson. Doc Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Before we get into the mid-major division top five on the women's side, I did want to share a little love, a little more love with Jackson State and Memphis. Jackson State comes in at 21 and 9, Memphis at 20 and 10. This game will be on ESPN at 7 o'clock. Uh, it is the uh, WNIT, that's the women NIT, and it's sold out. I thought that was a nice statement in regards to this matchup. It's sold out. So before we get in the top five, Mike, any thoughts in terms of this matchup? Anything that you want to see Jackson State do to get it done, keep it close, ultimately push to get the victory? Well, obviously you want them to, to, to push to get the victory, but you kind of want an end of the year statement from Jackson State. You know, you know the way you know that upset by Southern. The last minute shot. You want them to, to emphatically bring bring some uh uh bring some I guess bring some thunder to the to the to the competition. I think playing Memphis is a good matchup. I'm not surprised to be honest that it's like, that it's sold out. Jackson State brings a crowd. Memphis brings a crowd. I'm happy that it's sold out. Uh, it'll be the closest, almost equivalent to maybe maybe two. You know, maybe a full HBCU and a half a HBCU school uh, playing each other. Because <laughs> uh, if you look at Memphis and you look at their structure and you look at the composition of their student body and some of their teams, but I'm kind of excited about that matchup. And I think Jackson State's got a chip on his shoulder. I think they'll want to show that, hey, we are Jackson State. We should have, we probably should have been somewhere else. We let Southern, you know, Southern, you know, we let Southern in the game and they stayed in the game. But I think. I think Jackson State will, will have something to say about this game. Eddie, Drew, your, your thoughts before we get in this top five on this matchup. Should I'm, be good. I'm, I'm going to make a confession. When I was looking to go to college coming out of high school, hmm. then Memphis State was on my list of schools that I was seriously uh, considering. It was probably the only non-HBCU that I was uh, considering uh, going to. So uh, I've always had a little bit of an affinity for Memphis, Memphis, Memphis University, now then Memphis State uh, when I was yeah. uh, when I was coming out of school. And uh, this, uh, I'm assuming this game is in, is in Memphis. And correct. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I mean, we already know what they do with the Southern Heritage Classic, so this is the <laughs> this is the best thing that Jackson State folk don't get. Exactly, Memphis for the Southern Heritage Classic now because they're not going back to Memphis no time soon for football at least. So all, all the Jackson State fans, this is the only time to see the uh, 
the blue and white, blue, red, and white. But Jackson State is probably one of the few HBCUs, not the only HBCUs, who has the physical specimens that can match up with a Division One. They have the front line, which yeah. is where a lot of our HBCUs lack when they go up against those uh, high, D, high D1 programs. Jackson State does not have that problem. Jackson State, most of our HBCUs have small guards. Jackson State does not have small guards. So they have the ability not only to match up and beat Memphis, but to make a deep run in the WNIT. But I, I, I've got a question for y'all before we get to this get to the uh, polls, Dr. Javier. Can anybody tell me where the women's Final Four is played at for the WNIT? We know the men is at, at MSG. I've never paid attention long enough to see where the women's Final Four uh, is played at. Can anybody please tell me? Yeah, so a uh, good question. I have to check that out and go <laughs> see if it's um, a neutral site or if they play at the home site. Because yeah. obviously the men go to New York, which is, has been a pillar destination. And you just added the WNIT a couple of years ago, but uh, hadn't had a chance to really hit on, on that in terms of watching that. With that being said, let me get into poll rankings uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves uh, in terms of these teams that are coming in. Dropping out this week was West Virginia State, Yellow Jackets sitting at 22 and 6, 17 and 5. Uh, now, for those that are receiving some votes, were Fayetteville State, uh, Broncos sitting at 18 and 7. Yeah, West Virginia State, Yellow Jackets that are also receiving votes at 22 and 6. Uh, and Lincoln, Pennsylvania Lions close out those receiving votes at 19 and 9. Let's get it into the top 10, top five programs, I should say, excuse me, that are on the women's side. Moving in at number five is Elizabeth City State Vikings sitting at 19, 11, 14, and 2. Uh, 16 points as they remain at the five spot. In terms of the number four spot, uh, we have none other than Philander Smith sitting at 22 and 5, 17 and 5, 37 points. They were not ranked the Panthers there, so they jump in the top five as West Virginia falls out, bringing us to number three on the list. There's none other than that Russ Bearcats, 22 and 5, 12 and 2, 43 points. Five first-place votes. They jump up two spots uh, as they get a, a run in the tournament, get a victory and a loss. So they did get to play multiple games in the AI tournament. One of the few on the women's side that did that, bringing us to number two. At number two, we go back to Florida Memorial Lions, 24 and 5, 15 and 1, uh, 51 points. They move up two spots from the four spots. These two of the programs uh, that you heard Drew talk about in regards to type of season you had and you see it proven out in terms of the rankings number one should not surprise you they've been here holding it down for a while they got all first place votes season ended at 22 and 3 19 and 0 60 oh. points and one first place i mean at the first place ranking with six first place votes got it done solidly there in terms of how they close out the season uh, losing in our tournament let me go to you, Mike, first in regards what are your thoughts on uh, the number one ranked Tuskegee Golden Tigers uh, for week number 10. Final rankings will come up next week. Uh, but for now, week 10, Golden Tigers, hold on to the number one spot. 
No, no disability. Their season, they've had a tremendous season um, uh, Tuskegee. So it's, it's no, it's no, to me, it's no surprise that they got all, you know, all first place votes. Uh, Philander and uh, Russ kind of, you could kind of flip those, you know, back and forth. You can go argue that one's two, one's three, or one's three, one's two. But, you know, I know you're going to, I know you're going to chuckle when I, when I say this, Doc, but I have no problems with this particular poll on this day, on this week in the year, our Lord, 2023. And I should say Tuskegee Falls, the 26th and four with that last loss in the NCAA Division II tournament. Right. Um, so just to correct that in terms of the rankings. With that being said, AD Drew, what are your thoughts on the top five uh, programs? Since Mike agreed, I cannot agree because that would make for a boring <laughs> podcast. And we've got to have some dialogue here because we've got to make sure we fill up some time to get to our next break. So I am going to split hairs uh, here, Dr. Kabil. Uh, let's start off with your receiving votes. Yeah, you've got West Virginia State only receiving nine votes. Postseason team. Fayetteville Broncos receiving more votes who's not a postseason team. Now, I can't argue with the top five because all five of your top, your top five are postseason teams. So I can't see vaulting West Virginia State into the top five necessarily over those other deserving teams. But they should be at the top of the receiving votes as the only postseason team in that category. And yes, I'm still gonna say it. Miles should be on that list somewhere. You need to add one to your list, Dr. Kabir. Got gotta say that. Now, as far as the top five, the only qualm that I may have with the top five is I flip-flop Rust and Florida Memorial. Russ made it one round further than Florida Memorial in the NAIA tournament. Ooh, and yeah. Florida Memorial kind of laid an egg uh, in Indiana in, yeah. in the tournament. Florida Memorial got blown out. Russ was competitive in both. Uh, they won one and was competitive in the second game in the tournament. So based on that, I would flip-flop two and three. Other than that, Dr. Cavill, I mean, I, and I'm splitting hairs with both of these arguments, Dr. Kavir, just for dialogue purposes. <laughs> I think that you actually like split hairs pretty well. I did like what you said there. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the final poll how people check it out. Maybe after listening to you, uh, do they take that in consideration? But I could actually see a rust over Florida Memorial in terms of how they perform in the uh, – playoffs, if you would, the tournament. Uh, but I think you could go either way with those conferences. I think, obviously, with their long win streak, uh, kind of gave them the edge. And it's usually hard for a team uh, to drop in those kind of situations. But things happen to be interesting to see what that looks like. Intriguing, as you said, with those receiving votes. I think that was even more valid point that you made there with West Virginia maybe should have been ahead of Fayetteville State. I think a lot of that is just week-to-week polls, when you talk about a team loss and dropping uh, with another team getting them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out the final poll ranking regular season. So I think that was some very good notes in terms of splitting hairs. So I'll give you kudos for you doing your homework there. Uh, I won't take your mic. Usually, you know, you disagree. Um, Mike is, is smart. He decided he's going to cool it out a little bit. He wants to remain 
to make sure he get his talking points in because I'm sure he had some other things to say. So he's playing nice right now. Uh, but in regards to you providing clarity in regards to your points, I'm going to let you stick on and let you come back after this break. With that being said, we'll be right back after this second break. We'll come back with the men's side of the major division breakdown and see what do we have up and see what these two gentlemen think about week number 10, mid-major division style for men's basketball, Paul Ranking. Stick with us. Be right back after this break. 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lose, yeah, and who the ball, ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, AD Drew. Drew, if Jackson State women's as a couple of posters put on here, they wanna see Jackson State women get it all. Get it done. I think that was Edwin D. Moore says, I want JSU to win the NLT tournament. Uh, if that is going to be done, they will end up in Las Vegas. Viva! To answer question. The final Las four, Vegas. In the final. <laughs> yeah, Viva Las Vegas. Men in New York, women in Las Vegas, as you said, many people would be like, I can do that. So Jackson State has a chance to end the season in all places. Las Vegas starting in Memphis. Great stuff. Let's get into the mid-major for the men's side of that. Shout out to Edwin D. Moore, uh, making sure that he wanted to answer to A.D. Drew's questions of seeing where Jackson State would end the season if they cut down the nets uh, for a champion WNIT. Las Vegas. With that being said, let's look into the 
mid-major division for the men this week in week number 10. A couple of teams dropped out. Tough weekend on the men. Tuskegee Golden Tigers, 20 and 8, 15 and 5. Philanna Smith Panthers, 22 and 17 and 4. So receiving votes were those teams. Philander Smith ahead of Tuskegee. Be interesting to see what AD Drew thinks about that. Not just them dropping out, but where they drop out in receiving votes. You may have yeah. some concerns there too. 22 and 17, 4, 20 and 8, 15 and 5. But if he does, I'm sure he'll give a great rationalization for it uh, as he is in class and make sure the lab listeners are taking their notes. Uh, also receiving votes is Claflin Panthers, 19 and 6, 15 and 5. West Virginia State Yellow Jackets hang on to receiving votes at 20 and 8 uh, in terms of what they look like. So let's get in the top five and see where things changed around this week in terms of those programs. At number five, Virginia Union Panthers, 23 and 7, 12 and 4, 41 points, were not ranked, but they jumped in the top five after having a tough CIAA tournament. They come back in the playoffs and make it to uh, the second game in the tournament, winning the first game. So I think that gave them a little bit of edge uh, as they had uh, a run in that matchup. Winston-Salem State, you heard earlier, uh, could not hold on the victory upset. You would have had a rematch would have been interesting. But at number four, as we keep going, we have none other than the Miles Golden Bears, 23 and 6, 15 and 5. They were not ranked 53 points. Obviously didn't do very well in the Division II tournament, but they find a way uh, to move into the top five in terms of just a significant season, 23 and 6, 15 and 5. At number three, we continue to get and move up the top of the polls. We have Winston-Salem State Rams, 28, 9 and 7, 61 points. They move up two spots as they went to the buzzer and had lost to the number one team on their court uh, as they tied up last part of the games, but the costly non-rebound uh, gets put back in the basket and they go down in the NCAA Division II men's tournament there. Bringing us to number two as we continue to move up the poll rankings at number two, uh, we have none other than Langston Lions, 27 and 220 and three first place votes, 76 points uh, as they remain number two. A.D. and Drew had a great interview with the coach this past weekend as they went into their matchup. They lost a tough one on Wednesday to a team that seems to always be in the race for a championship over there in the NAI program, which is part of the concern A.D. talked about in terms of seeding, uh, but could not quite get it done against Georgetown of Kentucky. But you talk about a great season, a 30-plus win, a really 60-win turnaround when you had 30 losses moving into 30 wins, crazy in terms of what they're able to do. But in some people's mind, people kind of question whether Langston should be number one or number two. But if you take it about the depth of how far a team goes in the tournament, it looks like the poll rankings may have had it right in terms of what they did the previous week. Uh, but at number one, you have none other than Tougaloo Bulldogs, 28-1, and 14-0, uh, as they add the second loss there in terms of when this poll comes out getting to um, both of these teams getting the 30-plus wins as they go into the tournament and, and take those losses. But Tulo gets into the uh, final 18 programs while Langston just gets to the Sweet 16. So interesting uh, updates on some of those records, as I do want to make sure everybody knows. They did get the 30 wins on both of those teams, and you add a loss in terms of them getting their first loss. Uh, 
Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, respectively, uh, as you got the win on Tuesday, get the eight, but a loss by Tulu on Thursday. Tough loss as we watched everything uh, go down with the Lynx getting lost there. I'm going to start out with you this time, Drew, in terms of what are your thoughts in the top five on the men's program? You know, I like to take your full poll, including the uh, receiving votes portion, which a lot of people overlook when they uh, I like that when they go through these polls. The only thing I'm, I can say about the receiving votes portion, Doctor Beal, I am mad that in the discussion that we had in segment one, I failed to mention the West Virginia State Yellow Jackets as one of those teams that was left out mm-hmm. by the Division Two committee. <laughs> Right. And the fact that you put them on your, <laughs> uh, on, on your poll babe, it, it has upset me that I actually forgot to mention them. So that's on me, though. That's not on you. That that that, that was not on you. Thank you for uh, putting West Virginia State out uh, out there. And, but that's what these polls are about. They're about conversation. And we just had a conversation. We mentioned a team that we normally wouldn't mention, probably. Now, for your top five, Dr. Kabir, one and two, hit it on the head. Now, here we go with the, the splitting hairs. I may have some re-ranking of 3.5. You have mm-hmm. the right teams there, but we may need to possibly look at shuffling them around. First of all, what you got? I, I dropped Miles from the 4 to the 5 slot, just based purely okay. on the the tournament game that they played. They, they, they were the only team that went in and was t- blown out. Let's be real. They 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 lost the game by almost forty. All right, so that drops Miles down to five, and and the two teams receiving votes behind them. The top your your top seven were all seven of the postseason teams. So I have no argument with that. Now you get to Winston Salem and Virginia Union for the three three slot to four slot. Virginia Union made it further in the Division Two tournament. Winston Salem won the conference that Virginia Union is in. So, which one do you value more? Depends <laughs> on what day of the week it is, and and, and and when you're voting. What was the last game you saw? And Virginia Union, uh, thought no, Virginia Union won. Winston Salem lost lost a buzzer beat. Literally lost a buzzer beat. So. You know, you split there. Which one of those do you put above the other? I don't know. I'm going to let Mike see if he can help me solve that part. Quick question before I let Mike do this test well, question. Xavier Gold Rush, any feelings about them being able to win the first game and, I, and then lose the second one? Well, maybe once again, you need to add that one extra team. 23 and 9. Yeah, you need to add your one extra team into your poll, uh, Dr. Cavill, possibly, you know. <laughs> I knew I needed Xavier. with the test question. Xavier should be up ahead of uh, Clapton. I, I will say that. Uh, Xavier uh, should be behind Tuskegee and Philander in, in the RV category. I like that. Good stuff. Mike, what do you think about the poll ranking? Same test question to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on Xavier uh, in terms of not uh, possibly should be in some of these poll rankings? Even maybe in the top five, and if you do, who you push out? Miles. I, I don't know if Miles should be in the top five, um, I, and it, it has to do with the criteria. What What is the criteria you're looking at? What data points are you looking? Are you looking at regular season and and conference and then any conference uh, tournament, 
or and or are you looking at how they did the tournament? Miles got blown out. I don't think you get points for that. So I would move them in place of, of Xavier. I mean, but I'll switch, you know, put Xavier. If you're going to put them anywhere, put them in number five. You could argue that. I think Virginia Union uh, should have been a little higher. Um, yes, they didn't go as far in the in, play, but I think they had a stronger season. They had a stronger uh, – I don't know if we look at statistics enough as well. Um, and you could look up and get somebody uh, – you, you could get an opponent that is more equally matched or closer in the playoffs. So I think you should wait that 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 unless they go deep, deep, deep into the tournament. I think you should weigh that with you know get that, that less weight and look at the totality of their season. So that's why I say Miles should come out, put Xavier in there, Virginia Reunion should move up. So who's four and who's three? Uh, Mike, that's the question. Winston-Salem or Union? Union. Union, in my opinion. Nice. Great dialogue. Great dialogue, gentlemen. Before we go to this last break, let me give a shout-out to Brother Wendell Davis, Stephen Gaither, always uh, showing us love, appreciate him. You know he loves on those Thursdays when we get into the NIA, and particularly Division Two. Just as much as you love the SIAC, we got Stephen Gaither that loves the CIAA, boy. We're we going to have to come on and do, a, do a, ba uh, a battle one day, a conference battle. Gonna, oh, yeah, certainly. You know that's in the works of the plan to do that a little more often. HBCU Heritage Center, shout out to them. In terms of what they continue to support, great dialogue. Keep it going in the chat zone. With that being said, we'll take a last break, come back on the other side, and we'll talk a little bit. Uh, poll rankings in terms of what Brian and A did on the softball. And then we'll give you some key matchups to think about in terms of baseball this weekend as they – uh, get the ping of the bats going in the conference play for the SWAC. Should be an interesting season. And we have a top three matchup, if you would, in one of the games this first weekend getting off the bat. Boy, you talking about starting on fire. We'll be right back after this last break. Stick with us. So we'll give you some uh, more information about your HBCU sports on the other side. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E.com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123.
press the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team if they wanna lock yeah. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yes Sir And pay attention cause he gon' teach a lesson this is Dr. Mills inside HBC Sports Lab. Great dialogue going on. Appreciate the lab listeners as they're giving it to us. Let's get into a little bit of softball. Uh, Brian and AD made sure series not dead, as I like to say. They gave us a ranking uh, for softball. As you know, they like to break it down with the NIA, Division II, and Division I programs. So let's see if we can pull that up and talk a little bit about that in regards to what that looks like. Uh, on the softball side, uh, they have Tennessee State uh, as the top program right now in softball with Alabama A&M right there behind them, sitting in that same area. Fascinating. Then you go down to the state of Florida, you got FAMU. Uh, you know, I usually like to read this and descend the order, so I'm not even taking uh, my own lessons here, but uh, just got excited <laughs> seeing this Grambling State at four and Norfolk State at five. So as we would say, at number five, Norfolk State, and number four, Grandland State, at number three, Florida A&M, and number two, Alabama A&M, the Ag School's got it going on. Number one is Tennessee State. So if you're talking about the SWAC, you have Grandland State out of the West, but you have two the East. You got a MEAC program in Norfolk State, and then you have an independent Tennessee State. Should be interesting to kind of see how this flow ebbs and flows throughout the season. Let's get into Division Two. At number five, Kentucky State, SIAC. At number four, Miles out of the SIAC. Uh, Tuskegee out of the SIAC. I think we see a frame going on here. Yeah. Number two, Edward Waters. Guess what? They moved. So now to the SIAC. SIAC. Hey. <laughs> At number one, I, 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 Albany and... State. Uh, not only is getting it done in the SIAC, <laughs> as the entire SIAC doing it, but the number one overall. Can we, talk about, cool can we talk about can we talk about bias here? <laughs> like, <laughs> CIAA, it, could, it, could be that, it could be that the SIAC is just that strong. You got to remember, uh, in terms of CIAA, it'll be interesting to see what they do with softball. Unlike baseball, where they only have two teams that actually have a program in the conference. Right. Uh, sometimes you see that weightiness from that. Let's go back and look at the uh, NIA programs real quick. Make sure we get no, a little bit. Uh, what they would, uh, Dr. Gaville, uh, with softball, we went with the football route. We combined, we combined all the uh, NAIA uh -huh. and Division Two for softball and baseball because in – Makes sense. Well, let me take it, it, it back. And, it and I believe maybe it. there is a little bit of biasness when it's all SIC. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll stick out a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to baseball on this side and look at the – mix of what we refer to as the mid-major division uh, in regards to that. Uh, we'll start with the major division first. At number oh. five, you have well, – well, I guess what? we'll do uh, mid-major. Uh, with number five, we'll do Texas Southern. At number four, Bethune-Cookman. At number three, Alabama State. At number two, North Carolina A&T State. Uh, and number one, Jackson State. Fascinating because this – Poll ranking uh, is a computer algorithm, so it's based on the various measurables in terms of win records, uh, rankings of the conference, various things in Strength here that you put in there. Strength of schedule. Um, wow. So this is not just people voting. This is about uh, algorithm 
uh, telling you or Frank in terms I, I of think, So I let's think get in the, there for I the think, Division Two. I think the algorithm is off. Uh, there's no way Jackson said that. <laughs> that's not something is wrong. That Florida algorithm Memorial is number five. <laughs> listen, listen. Miles at number four, at number three, Savannah State at number two, Talladega and number one, Albany State. Number one in both men's and women's. So Albany yeah. State certainly is getting it done. Um, that would correlate in some degree in terms of the Black College Nine. I'll give you a little bit of breakdown then because I want to ask these gentlemen about uh, some of the matchups this weekend in the SWAC in particular uh, as we get into it uh, before we get too far along. Uh, we have a top five matchup with Bethune-Cookman uh, facing up against a big-time matchup this week uh, with Alabama State traveling to Daytona. Uh, whether you're looking at some of the poll rankings and talking about the Black College Nine, this would be a top yeah. three matchup with number two Bethune Cookman hosting number three Alabama State in terms of those rankings. So I'm fascinated to see what that goes on. We also have another top 10 matchup when you talk about, surprisingly for some, Alabama AM and Jackson State. One thing that is different about the Black College Nines at the beginning of the season. They essentially do the voting every two weeks. So this is as of 3-5-23. So a couple of things have happened since then. So um, take that as you consider this. But Alabama A&M has made a statement early in this season, um, particularly what they did over those first couple of weeks in those HBCU Classic, uh, namely in the MLB Classic, in terms of what they're doing with the baseball program. As such, you have the number four team, traveling to the number one team, Jackson State, in terms of the Black College poll. That's one of the polls that AD, Drew, Mike, myself all vote in and why I wanted to kind of get it up there in terms of what that is like. Fascinating in terms of uh, that matchup. So you got two in the SWAC that feature not just top ten, but top five matchups. Then as you get into it, you have all the other games, the other four games feature teams uh, that are ranked. Prairie View that started off the preseason as number one, all on a hard time. But can they right the ship as they get in the swag play? They're 10 this week, so you have a matchup with number 10 on the road at Alcorn State. It'll be interesting to see what will take place. That's then. a get-right game. <laughs> I get-right series. I agree with you. Uh, at number – the other one you have is Texas Southern that is fifth in the Black College Nines, if you would. They're traveling Arkansas oh, Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff. <laughs> so you see these, you see uh, what taking place here so far. You got these ranked teams that are on the road in the first week in the SWAC. You see it again. FAMU ranked sixth in terms of Black College Nine. They're on the road to Mississippi Valley State. And you also have Southern, uh, which is ranked number seven. And they travel to Grambling that started off. Uh, in the top 10 rankings, but as of uh, the voting for 3-5, they fell out. So you have Southern on, on the road to Grambling. Robbery matchup to kick off things should be interesting anytime you get these two schools together. We just saw in basketball, whether it's in Utah, whether it's in Baton Rouge, or up there in Grambling, it doesn't quite seem to matter. Uh, it tends to be an intriguing matchup. But this one features number seven on the road at Grambling. So you have all of your top seeds on the road this weekend. So a couple of things for you all to break down. Mike, 
What are your thoughts going into the baseball season this first weekend? Swack, uh, a lot of things to think about. Where is your mind in terms of these matchups? Well, first, looking at the two matchups, you got the two the two top teams in batting. If you go on team team slugging percentage, team batting average in um, Jackson State and Alabama A and M, they're tops in the swag. The only other team that's in the three is TSU. Those are the only three teams for the three hundred percent batting average or greater the last two weeks. Then you got the two top pitching teams going against each other in Alabama State and Bethune. So you're going to see the two top pitching teams playing each other and the two bet top batting teams batting each other. So that's what stands out to me, at least initially. Jackson State has been their top three, four batting team for the last five years. You can do the math. Alabama State has been the top pitching team up until recently. <clears throat> the only other ones that had subpar three ERAs, not North Carolina A&T, and I'm sorry, and uh, Bethune, and Bethune has the best team ERA. So it's interesting if you look at that, start looking at the data and how these teams are performing. Two top batting teams going against each other, and Jackson State and Alabama AM, and the two best pitching teams right now to this point in Bethune and uh, Alabama State. So those, those kind of stand out right now. Man, great breakdown, terrific matchups. So you can see it either way you want it in terms of pitching matchups or hitting matchups. We'll see what plays off. Uh, AD, Drew, what direction are you going with some of these matchups, these top seeds on the road, get right games, as you said, a couple of them, or are you looking at these top matchups that feature these top five programs uh, in uh, the Black College Nine polls, some of the top programs in the uh, strategic rankings that you all have as well? Which direction are you going? You know, I got to go off the beaten path, Dr. Kavir. It would be A.D. Drew if I, if I stayed on the script. But I, I do have a question. Alabama A&M has who this weekend and where? Jackson State. They are, they're on the road to the number one team, Jackson State. Yeah. Okay. reason I ask that is, if everybody remembers last year, Alabama A&M was playing with uh, essentially two arms tied behind their back, uh, losing their Great point. home field. Uh, at the beginning of April, yep. and they were starting to make a little bit of a rumble. They weren't quite making noise uh, last year. Now, this year, they came out making a little bit of noise. Question is, we, we know who the big four in the East are. Jackson yep. State, uh, you, you got Jackson State, Alabama State, and the two Florida schools. Yeah. And A&M, the Alabama version. Make enough noise to bump one of those big four out on the east side of the tournament. That's yeah. what I want everybody to watch this year. And who it who will that be? Because I think Alabama A&M can make enough noise. The question is, who who's who's going to uh, be sitting at home? Do the Florida schools just go right down the road to the beach, or is it Alabama State? Having to fly, uh, go down. It's, it's it's gonna be one of those two Florida schools. I hate to say. It. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be right now. It's looking like Florida A and M. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I have to ask that good question. But also, Doctor Kavir, I, I, now here's my off the beaten path. We forgot about our former MIAC brethren over there who are now HBCU independents. Uh, j just so I can give everybody a a quick update. 
Delaware State, Norfolk State, all, all the teams lost in the weekend series. Delaware State, Norfolk State were able to take one game, whereas Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore were swept uh, last weekend. Mm -hmm. So looking at this weekend's schedule for our former BAC schools, Coppin State is on the road to Merrimack. Merrimack is a team that is 2-9 overall, Dr. Cavill. Still be an opportunity for Norfolk to get some wins. They're 2-1 in the conference, but they're 2-9 overall. So that should be an opportunity for Norfolk to, uh, to get some wins. Maryland Eastern Shore is on the road at LIU. LIU, 1-14. Opportunity, opportunity to get some wins. Maybe these are get-right games in the NEC. Uh, going on, uh, Delaware State hosts Central Connecticut. Central Connecticut, 5-3. Three. 3-0 three in conference. And finally, Norfolk State uh, has a non-conference series against uh, VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Institute. Yeah. And it's just, well, give me a second. I'll tell you exactly what their record is since they're a non-conference. It's not on that. They are 10 and 8 uh, overall. Now, the one thing that you notice about those northern schools, that they haven't played that many games. So keep, keep that in mind. So it's easy to – it's hard to judge them right now because they don't have the games, whereas a lot of these SWAT schools are into their 20s uh, now right. as far as total games played. Some of these teams aren't haven't even made it to their teams yet, to their double digits. So, you know, we're going to have to wait a little bit to judge those those schools, which is why you don't see those teams in the Black College uh, Sports Network ranking and not a lot of them in the Black College Nines ranking. Let, don't let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If, if they did have it, here's another data point, or played 20, do you really think that they would supplant some of the schools that you have now in, in the Black College Nines poll, do you really? Well, I think the, uh, I think maybe one if I mean, one team out of out of that group could sneak into possibly a, a top five spot. Yep. But as a collective, no. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree, I'd agree with, with that. I uh, agree. Great with point because you talked about the starting season. I think you had. Norfolk State and Coppin in that top 10, but because of the records um, have fallen out. Um, and the interest you talk about Merrimack, that's a Division II program that's reclassifying moving up. We talked about in basketball, Fairleigh Dixon, they got the bid. They actually beat them in the tournament and twice over the season, but because they're not eligible to go to the tournament, Fairleigh Dixon's got that bid into that. Similar thing for baseball. So, Great point. Fascinating. It's an opportunity to get the win. We'll see yep. what that looks like and give you some updates next week. Great dialogue. Great conversation. Get out there and support your HBCUs, baseball, particularly as it starts to warm up. You want to get outside, uh, see some good baseball. Check it out. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBCU Sports. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock. I want to say thank you to A.D. Drew uh, as the professor jumping in here. Remember, he's been elevated from clinical professor, so he's full-time now in terms of his status as he's on the tenure track. We'll see if we make sure he gets his regular airtime. We don't want any trouble. 
with the provost. We look forward to next <laughs> week as we discuss the latest in the news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Update, Wake Forest did down Morgan State, 75 to 49. Those that hadn't seen those scores, make sure you tune over and check out the, the women in Jackson State. As they're down 6 nothing early. As early as they're down 6-2. Update, 753 ESPN. Right. Check it out. Good acts as they went down 6-0, but they scored a bucket. So now we'll see how that looks. Great update there, A.D. Drew. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. A.D.? Course. Bye. Lecture. Dismiss. Mahalo. Well,